Welcome. You have now entered the Freedom First podcast, where we have conversations with some of the most interesting human beings on the planet, people who live and breathe a Freedom First mentality. Welcome back to the Freedom First podcast. We are your hosts, Blaine Smotherman and Eric Hearn. This episode is brought to you in part by Jeffries Firearms Training. Shooters making shooters. For more information, contact owner Ronnie Jeffries on Instagram at Jeffries Firearms Training. Are you looking for a wide variety of firearms, ammunition, and equipment? NAG Industries is a premium, local, veteran, and family-owned company in Bakersfield, California. They offer expertise in sales, repair, enhancement, and service of a wide variety of firearms, ammunition, and equipment with a focus on law enforcement and government agencies. For more information, you can visit them on Instagram at in dot a dot g underscore industries through email info at nagindustries.com or you can give them a call at 661-364-9726. NAG Industries, pride in what we do. Today's guest is the founder and owner of NAG Industries. He's a military veteran and an all-around great human being. We had a great conversation about his business, firearms, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our friend, Mr. Eric Hine. Welcome to the Freedom First podcast. I'm your special host, Ronnie Jeffries. Very special. Uh, with <laughs> Jeffries Firearms Training. Uh, with us today is a special guest, Eric Hine, who is the owner of NAG Industries. And we're going to start off with the Freedom First Minute. All right, so I'll start first. I'm going to ask Ronnie and Eric a question, and then uh, we'll see their answers. So my first question is, what is your favorite 3 a.m. snack? Oh, whatever I see first. It, it doesn't matter. I'm just waking just up. Just going for it? Yeah, just going for it. I'd say my favorite like snack if I'm up out of bed is probably, my go-to is probably going to be the Costco chocolate-covered almonds. I knew you were going to say that. Those oh, are so good. Those things are fire. Just get a mouthful and then go back to bed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Usually no more than five. Three to five is my limit <laughs> for midnight. Um, but yeah, that, that, those things are fire. What about like a glass of milk with it? Is that, is that a thing? Or? I'm, not a no? mil- I'm not a milk drinker. Okay. Unless, I'm drink- unless I'm eating Oreos, then it's a it's oh, mandatory. Yeah, game mandatory. That's, yeah, it's you're actually just, funny. Yeah, <laughs> We'd have to call the police if you did. Yeah, I yeah. feel like you're like a sociopath if you eat Oreos without milk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blaine? All right, I'm going to go right off that. Your go-to beers. And I'll go with Eric first. Bud Light. Bud Light. Bud Light. Ooh. Okay. See, I, if you'd asked me a few years back... Um, I, w- I probably would have said Bud Light too, but now I'm kind of like a bougie beer drinker and I only drink beer on very rare occasions. So I'd have to say like some sort of like really good IPA. It's, it's, okay. it's got to be a, a really good IPA or else I don't want anything to do with it. Like a Zeus? A Zeus, yeah, a yeah. Zeus. I would take a Zeus all day. Um, I prefer whiskey, but if I'm going to go beer, yeah, I'm going to go real bougie with it. Okay. So I, I got a, so I got two big gun guys in here. So I guess I'm going to ask the question, what is your favorite gun? Or like rifle or pistol? Let's go pistol. I think my my favorite go-to is got to be the Glock if I'm just going like everyday carry or if I'm going like running and gunning and I want something that's going to be reliable every time I pull a trigger it fires. It's got to be a Glock. Um, if we're going with uh, like my cool guy stuff, I'd, I'd say my Phoenix Trinity. Okay. Um, yeah, I just got that and that, I mean, that gun cost... <laughs> More than I'd care to admit on this, but uh, <laughs> um, that thing is, I mean, it shoots like a, it's like a sewing machine, man. It's like no recoil. It's amazing. Yeah. Don't mention the price. Your, yeah. your wife might be listening yeah, to this. Yeah, yeah. Your wife's going to listen to this. <laughs> I'd, that'd be all bad. <laughs> so I'd probably have to go Glock. I'd have to agree with that for like just my carry and all that stuff. But my favorite pistol, because wanted it my whole life and i hate 1911s i just not my gun i have an all numbers matching colt u.s army issue built 1943 that is like that's my bougie gun that's your baby yeah it's awesome yeah so i finally got one of those and that's probably my like oh it has to be in a showcase up on the wall kind of thing yeah you gotta get some like sand from normandy and then yeah Yeah. there you go there you go all right last question i'm gonna ask both of you and this is kind of one we, we ask all of our guests. Kind of, it could be deep. Um, if you could meet 
anyone throughout the history of the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Ronnie's probably actually answered this question before. Have you? Okay. Have, yeah. <clears throat> so we'll save a good story for it. Okay. Eric. Let's hear it. Yeah, let's go, let's go, Eric. <sighs> kind of have two. Okay. So, like, from a famous movie person. You talk about, like, get closer oh, to the mic because I don't lose it. Like, a f- famous movie person would be Clint Eastwood. Um, from like a historical person, Albert Einstein. Oh, that'd be powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Be someone really good to talk to. What conversation would you have with them if you, if you could? Well, I just want to talk to him. Just like pick his brain. Probably. Was he like a complete, like just weirdo in the corner and like, or like was could like how his brain, I love I was a scout in the army, so I love watching people. Right? I'm a people watcher. That's what I love to do. So I, I would just like to be very intrigued and just kind of like, yeah, old conversations yeah, with just them. Be in, just stand there and yeah. yeah. And Ronnie, what was yours for those who maybe missed the episode? So for me, it was my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, if right. I could go back and uh, he passed away some years ago. Um, but if I could go back, I would, I would just talk to him and tell him how, how much he influenced me and how much, um, as much as I hate to admit it, how much I'm just like him <laughs> and, uh, and that I'm grateful that he made me the man that I am, um, with, you know, how to, how to raise children, how to respect women, and then just how to be a man overall. Um, so for me, it would be my dad. hundred percent. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. awesome. So yeah. we're actually here at NAG Industries, which is Eric's uh, business, his gun shop. Yep. Um, so kind of explain to us for our viewers who are actually watching this, what room we're in and what we're doing in here. Well, it depends on who walks into this room. Tim would call it the Thunderdome. Um, <laughs> Celeste and Daniil would probably just call it this hokey office with no windows. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, there's a window. There, there is a <laughs> window, a window, but that doesn't go outside. It looked like a war room to me. Yeah. yeah. So... NAG Industries, uh, kind of our new slogan right now is not your average gun shop. Um, it we have everything from gov sales to coming to pick up a rifle or ammo to getting your gun custom worked on, do custom modifications to just coming in and getting a cup of coffee. So there, there's a lot to it. It's a very unique and kind of just merged together. It's a big melting pot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you guys got the coffee going and everything like that. So, mm-hmm. coffee drinkers, feel free, you know, yeah, check it out. Um, so, how did like I want to go all the way back because you mentioned you were you were uh, you're a veteran. Mm-hmm. So let's go all the way back to your childhood. Like, how, what was your mindset? Um, did you have like the plans to go into the military at a young age? Were you always interested in firearms? So, NAG Industries, and I'm gonna have to kind of like Rob from Ronnie now because he went like really sentimental on me <laughs> on like who you meet. So NAG, <laughs> NAG industries is actually used to be NA gunsmithing when we first started it up. And this is going to go back to that, but okay. it's actually named after my grandparents, Nina and art. My grandpa art was the person that I idolized. He, he crustiest old man you ever met. Um, he was born and raised in Ireland um, his mother moved to New York city, the war kicked off and he couldn't come over. So he had to live with his grandparents. So I think he was about 14 years old and he comes over to New York, downtown New York, goes to Catholic school, very just rough growing up, joins the air force. Does he joins the air force when the air force and army separated that year? Um, does 28 years gets out, meets my grand, my grandmother, um, at a, up in federal way school district as a school bus, uh, the manager and my mm-hmm. grandmother was a school bus driver. They meet happily, kind of happily ever after kind of a thing. Um, and then somehow this, this man that was very, very rough around the edges that probably, so what they had three granddaughters, and then there was me. I was the youngest. And he, I mean, if you talk to anybody about Art Redman, very like, turn off the lights when you leave the bedroom. I remember him waking me up when I would come over on the weekends and I couldn't leave the bedroom until I could bounce a quarter off the bed. Like, it was very, 
regimental basic training was very easy for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, but he, he was very rough to a lot of people, but he was the, the softest person when it was me and him, we're just best friends. Um, there's sometimes where I didn't understand that until like you said, they pass away and you actually like, Oh wow. You were looking out for me and I didn't realize it. So, um, I was born, let's see, 1992. Um, grew up in Sumner, Washington, Washington state. Uh, did a whole bunch of sports growing up, got really good at running, did cross country track. Um, if you ask my mom, she probably knew I was going into the military, whether she liked it or not because <laughs> of my grandpa. Um, it was just a thing that my grandpa always took me up to McCord Air Force Base. We'd go to the air shows, watch the airplanes, watch and save Private Ryan, Band of Brothers. Um, just something I knew I was going to do, whether I liked it or not. I think I actually turned like 15 and a half. My parents had some money in a college fund. And I said... Just give me the mic so I can go get a car. Because <laughs> I know I'm going into the military yeah. kind of a thing. So, yeah. That was kind of my childhood. Very simple. I, I didn't have... My parents provided me an awesome life growing up. and have very hard issues. Um, so, I was very fortunate on that. Um, my grandpa, at the same time, though, grew up from a very hard past. So, he... Even though I didn't have to go through it, he always made sure there was a lesson to be taught on something one way or another, even if you didn't want that lesson. <laughs> right. Um, so then, let's see, graduated 2010, go, at the time wasn't my father-in-law, um, but I was dating his daughter and he was like, oh, damn, my daughter, I got a job out in Evanston, Wyoming, come to work with me. So a week later after high school, I'm out in Evanston, Wyoming, doing demolition work for about seven to eight months. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm going to go join the Army now. <laughs> um, so then 2011 rolled around, rolled out to basic training, did my time in the Army. I was over in the 82nd for a little bit, then went over to 138 CAV, which was a specialized unit underneath 525 BFSB. Um, so you had three, let's see, we had three troops as scouts and then Charlie troop was a Lurse company. Uh, we get deployed to Kosovo in 2013 to 14 doing kind of border security and all that stuff. And just surveillance. Yeah. Became the Colonel's driver. Um, so spent nine months being the Colonel's driver, which was one of the coolest gigs ever. Like everybody was like, Oh, you're the Colonel's driver. But like there's, influential people in your life and he was one of those um he was actually one of those people that truly led from the front if he needed to give you the t-shirt off of his back he would have um let's see got sent out to fort Irwin. once we got once i got home got stationed out there got out and then kind of didn't know what i was going to do just kind of flown went over to herc uh rental equipment pump and power division here in Bakersfield and kind of floated there for a year, got the opportunity to go gunsmithing school, went to gunsmithing school. So this is all after you've already got out of the army. Yeah. Okay. So I go to gunsmithing school and then I started it up in my garage after I got done with gunsmithing school and here I am five years later. Wow. That's yeah. Where, that's where I met him was when he was running his gunsmithing shop out of his garage. He was going to University of Phoenix at the time. Yeah. He was going with a mutual friend. And my friend said, hey, I want to introduce you to this guy who uh, who does gunsmithing. And he uh, has like an FFL, you know, and he, 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 real brief description. And so we went over to his house. And so that's where I met Eric. Um, and then we kind of, uh, we talked a couple of times here and there, but then we kind of like lost contact because yeah. we, we just did different things. Um. And then, and then you came into the shop, what, like five? It was right after COVID started. Yeah. So it was probably, I don't even know, probably March of 2020. And I didn't even realize April, maybe? that yeah, it was there. you, like from the garage. Like you had to remind <laughs> me. I was like, oh my God, you were in my garage. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. Not in a weird, creepy way. Yeah. <laughs> you were in my garage. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like a burglar or anything. <laughs> so. I kind of want to go into what gunsmithing school entails and how you 
wanted why you wanted to do the craft well you kind of explained why you wanted to do the craft but what yeah. does it what what do you do there and you know kind of explain that so we're i'm not going to say the school's name because i'm not i don't want to dog on them but it was a program <laughs> just getting started up and it was an online program so i was able to stay here in bakersfield um it taught me a lot of things i didn't know and it taught me a lot of things that i did know and it taught me also what not to do because they were so new. Um, I'm sure if I go back now, it's 20 times better because they're just starting off just like when I was starting off in my garage. Right. Um, but I had the opportunity to meet an old timer here in town. That is a true gunsmith that went up to, um, Lansing college that was actually, um, he's known, he, so he actually created the bench rest rifle in 2014 that won the national championship for a thousand yards. This, this dude knows how to build guns. He, people don't say, or depending on your belief, you know, people go up, get reincarnated and stuff. I swear that my grandpa lives inside of him. He took me under and cause you talk to anybody in this town, he's the crustiest old man. I, <laughs> don't go talk to him. He'll tell you if he thinks you're an idiot, he'll tell you to get out of his shop. We just grew an attachment and I don't know what it was, but it, he's been like my supplemental grandpa since my grandpa has been gone and he beat all the nonsense out of me. Um, so I think gunsmithing school was a good stepping stone. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to done it up at Lansing college a little bit more in person. Um, so I know that doesn't really answer your question, but I, I just don't want to wreck too much on the school because gotcha. it, it was a very big stepping stone for that school too. Like I was like their second or third class and now they have, they've had a whole bunch of classes and like I've seen, I've talked to some of the people I've actually gone out of it now and you can see the night and day difference of how they have expanded too. Gotcha. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, it's so, kind of my answer. So you kind that. of like, just the fact you learned a lot of what not to do. Yeah. And I, like, that's a huge, I mean, that's a huge step, right? Cause they're all obviously starting and you started out of your garage doing yep. this and those kind of mistakes and failures at the very beginning, like at the time you don't realize that you're just doing your thing, but you look back, you're like, wow, like that was, what was I doing? <laughs> well, and yeah. that's, that's kind of the thing is like rule number one of gunsmithing as my mentors taught me, how do you screw up your jackups? Like, you're not going to be perfect the first time. So how, and it's not saying, Hey, you go cut the gun in half. How are you going to weld it back together? I mean, obviously that's being malicious and not doing the right thing, but sometimes you're going to make mistakes and learning how to clean up those mistakes for the next project, but making sure that customer has a quality project that first time kind of, you know, put in the hard work and you'll get it yeah. kind of a thing. So yeah. 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 Just learning from those mistakes and being proactive and know, knowing how to fix those things. And yeah. Awesome. So when did you realize that it was time to move out of your garage and open up your own shop? <laughs> well, that's actually funny. So it was the time that we had to switch from NA gunsmithing to NAG industries. Um, I don't, did you ever get me Ian Chandler before he passed away? I don't think so. I don't think I met him in person. Though. So Ian Chandler was a KCSO lieutenant at the time. He was in charge of procurement for their agency. I had the opportunity um, five months before that we put on a big demo out at Shafter PD. It was two days long, 30,000 rounds in two days. We had Vortex Optics out. We had Spartan, excuse me, we had Spartan Armor System, NG2 Defense, um, D-Day Response Group. We had all these people out and we had probably close to 15 agencies show up. I just started calling people like, hey, we're going to put on this big demo day because we're starting to get gov sales. I got to meet at the time the uh, account manager for the Gov Sales. His name was uh, John Scubis. And he was like, All right, you seem to be hungry. You want to do Gov Sales in California? And he's like, It's contracted. You're not an employee of us. So you go sell it. You get, you make whatever you mark up in it, kind of a thing. And I ran. I ran really, really hard. Now I get to run the whole West Coast for them. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, and still, I will say this just for clarification. We're not employed by them. We are a, we 
you know, they say, Hey, this is your price. You buy it from us. You need to sell it at this and we get our percentages off of it. Um, so NAG does what NAG does and Vortex has been nice enough to ride the waves with us and they can go split off when they want to, and we can go split off when we want to, but it's been an awesome relationship. And, um, so Ian Chandler comes out to this demo day. Um, and we just kind of had a friendship. It was weird. Um, that guy had a heart of gold. He's like, well, we got two issues because my agency needs new optics, but you're working out your garage, which doesn't show not consistency, but the ability to show that you're a company. He's like, I need you to have an actual like commercial site. And he's like, get rid of the gunsmithing. Nobody needs a gunsmith at their department. We yeah. need a gov sales. So that's when we abbreviated everything down to NAG Industries. So that was 2017, I believe. I can't remember. It was 2017. Um, we moved into this building. He said, you do it. And the numbers are right. I can't guarantee you anything. This is going to have to go to bed. But you do everything right. As long as you follow these steps, you should have an opportunity at it because, you know, you have the special pricing, which you can grant to our agencies. And we started going. <laughs> Just went for it. Yeah. So I think we did like 300 units that first sale. And I was like... Oh, this is kind of cool. I get to go work with agencies yeah. now. So, and it, it's just growing from there. So you, you had mentioned like it goes to bid. Is this mm -hmm. a yearly thing or is it just as long as you're you know meeting certain sales numbers or how does um, that so part work? So each agency and it seems to be different for each agency I've learned. So yeah. like, let's say agency A has a, if it's under $5,000, they can use their credit card to go buy it. If it's over $5,000, then the agency has to go find three bids to show that there's not favoritism. Um, that's what you just got to do. You got to, you know, A, you still show up and, you know, the appropriate attire, go do testing evaluation, talk with the officers, making sure it's meeting their standards of what the product is. And you put it out to bid. Um, it's cool when you can get underneath five thousand dollars because as long as you make a relationship with them show the customer service they keep coming back to you yeah. um the bid ones suck because there's people out there that will literally go bid on something and go negative just to say they have the opportunity which sucks right because there is uh it's called map uh something advertised pricing manufactured advertised pricing i believe is what map stands for and most companies put that out there saying hey you don't go below that so everybody has a Fair playing field. There's some people that don't listen to it because it's bid. It's not being advertised and all these crazy things, right? It's a dark world. That's <laughs> like anything else, building the relationships and making yeah. the connections at the yep. end of the day. Yeah. So kind of going more into the business side, how did you assemble this team? Cause I know there's more employees than just you, obviously. So how, is it like your close friends or did you, how do you find the people that you work with and, or that you essentially hired? Wow. Uh, there's actually been quite a few people and whether bad or good, they've been a stepping stone. Um, cause I'm only 29 years old. It's, it's not like I've had 40 years of business underneath my belt. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go start this up today. Um, everybody has been a growing point. Um, a really good, good friend of mine at the time was a safety manager of her, uh, uh, rentals. And I said, Hey man, like I'm ready to get out of here and I'm going to need somebody. You want to come with, uh, and it didn't, you don't realize when you're so young, starting up a company, oh, you don't have all the money in the world, paychecks, yeah. all those things. So it didn't work out. Um, but me and Mitchell did a lot. It was a, to start moving everything forward. And I went up until COVID, there was two of us. Wow. Yeah. And then COVID caused this demand. Like, I hate saying this, but it was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to us. And I feel horrible for people that have lost family members and all that stuff. But when everybody else is having to close their doors, I couldn't close them even if I wanted to because people were pounding on them. Um, and it, we just grew. I mean, to the extent that I, we have eight of us now. Um, a lot of them have been either really close customers that just have given us a really good vibe and we like because we're a really tight niche team actually um everybody even when you come in here seems to get yeah. along very well um and that's actually one of the biggest things is like sometimes i don't care about what your credentials are 
I care about how you flow with the team. Yeah. Are you trainable? And if you can't meet those two, you're, you're just not, I don't care if you're, you know, the Navy SEAL of the world, yeah. right? You are the best of the best, but if you can't meld well with our team, don't it's work. not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that on within like teams and stuff. If you're in like a specialized unit or something, like I can teach anybody how to do the skill. Um, if it comes to shooting, like I feel like I could teach just about anybody how to shoot. What I can't teach is like work ethic and teach how to gel with other people. Like, you know, personality clashes are a real thing. And if you have that, it's really hard to, to be part of a tight knit team if there's a bunch of personality clashes. Um, so I think that's super important is being able to bring on people, whether it's in a business or it's in a team environment, bring on people that are going to gel with the team. You can teach them all the skills. Just about anybody is capable of learning skills, but you can't typically change a personality. Um, so I think that that's, that's super important. It's smart. Like one, one individual, you know, could be a cancer in the whole organization and just spread like wildfire, you know? So Absolutely. Yeah. That third one's trust. We've had a couple of people that came in here and they broke that trust and they were gone very quickly. Actually, I mean, when me and Ronnie met this, I would say third time during COVID, <laughs> Um, I probably came off a little standoffish probably at first, not on purpose, but I had a lot of things that were going on that were bad business relationships. And I got hit really hard from a couple sides. And I was like, I was coming to Ronnie, like trying to give him advice of what he was doing. Like, Hey, this is what I've had in the last five years been hit with. But in the same token, like I was still like keeping like a 10 foot pole with Ronnie, like, you stay over there. Let's talk. It, it's become a lot better now, <laughs> yeah. but it was, you know, your walls go really high. Yeah. Especially if you get burned. I mean, if it's just one time, but it's a really bad time. Like it's just, you know, it could be bad for business too. If you know, you're standoffish like that because yeah. you're potentially, you're, you know, pushing away customers or pushing away yep. people that can, you know, you can network with. Um, but it seems like now that obviously you and Ronnie are pretty yeah. close and, um, you know, I trust him with my life. He's, yep. you know, so <laughs> yeah, I think that, uh, for sure. Initially it was, it was a little, um, there, there was definitely like some standoffish stuff going on and, and, uh, <laughs> it was probably the truth a little is bit coming out. Yeah. <laughs> it was, well, it was, I mean, uh, rightfully so. Like he had had some issues with, with people that he'd worked with in the past and, and my job was to show him like, Hey, you're not going to have that issue with me. Like yeah. I'm a very loyal guy. And if you reciprocate that loyalty, like, like I will do everything I can to help you out. Yeah. Um, that's just my nature. Um, so whether it was like helping him with like sales of products or it was pushing his name out there, like I have no problem doing any of that or, you know, training people that he knows or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I do my best to make sure that, that I show that I'm part of NAG industries and that I do that in a positive light. Um, and I do that with, I try to do that with everything. I try to always show things in a positive light. I, I try not to come off negative or, do anything too stupid on social media to uh, draw negative attention towards myself yeah. or anybody else that I'm affiliated <laughs> right, with. Right. Yeah. Like all joking aside, like in like showing loyalty and stuff, like about a month and a half ago, we had somebody send out a slander letter about me because they're just mad. Right. Yeah. They wouldn't even sign the paperwork or anything, but it was, there was some things in there that could have really hurt our company yeah. inside the um, gun industry with what they were saying. And, you know, Ronnie was like, dude, don't even worry about it. Like, and it was cool. Even they sent all these letters to my vendors too. And like really? local agencies and they're like, don't, don't worry about it. We know you're a better person than that, which was really cool to see. Um, because we tried being that upstanding company, you know, yeah. I got two little boys. I got to show the right way to do things. And it was just one of those things that was, that was pretty cool because yeah, that was yeah, it's time. You've already built that, you know, that credibility with all those other vendors yep. and stuff like that. They know that, you know, that's not true. And some, you know, it, it does take one person sometimes, you know, to tear down a business. But at the same time, if you have that, you know, that credibility, I guess you'd say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's really too bad because today, you know, with social media and everything, we live in this uh, cancel culture, you know, oh, yeah. world. And it takes one person. And like you guys said, usually it's a person that doesn't even have a relationship with you or whatever it is. There's mad. Yeah. And, they could literally ruin mm -hmm. your whole company and ruin your life. And it's, we've seen it over, especially over the last couple of years. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, like just being able to build that trust. And if you build the character, you do the right things at the end of the day, you're going to be all right. Yep. Yeah. I think that that's super important is um, trusting the people that you 
that you bring on to you, whether or not it's your company or you, that you affiliate with your company is having that trust and, and then having their back. Like, you know, like he called me right away whenever, whenever that went out. And I was like, dude, I know that that's not true. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. If, you know, if that was a, a concern of yours, I, I have no, no uh, worries about that. Um, and I, I was like, well, yeah, let's just keep trucking, you know, yeah, keep moving forward, keep building both of our businesses. <clears throat> um, and, and I think we've done a, a pretty good job of that. So um, kind of going to that, what is your guys' relationship like business wise? Obviously you guys are close friends, but what is your guys' relationship as far as you being a firearms instructor and then you owning a gun shop? So want me to go first? Yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, right now it's been, uh, we actually sat down and picked up Ronnie and sponsored him as a shooter. Um, and then Ronnie's been promoting us when he's out his classes. Um, we're looking for a new building right now for growth. And uh, one of the things that we're looking out of it is to be able to help promote Ronnie better with some things on the back end too. Um, you know, hopefully once he gets me a nice banner or something, I can hang up in the store. <laughs> <for it. laughs> I need to get something. Um, you know, and we've been handing out his business cards or when people come to us, Hey, we're looking for a trainer. I'm like, dude, this is a perfect spot for you. Um, one of the really cool things um, that we absolutely love about Ronnie um, because I'm not the only owner of NAG. Um, Daniil Hunter is too. And uh, she's also my mom, but getting women into the firearms community, there is so many places that have been an uphill battle for women. And Ronnie seems to have some really cool classes where it's not like some drill instructor over them. He's like working with them to help grow them as shooters and that's one of the biggest things we've been trying to do on our storefront is also when you walk in, you're not an idiot. I don't man, woman, child, whatever you are, you're not an idiot. If you have questions, ask it. That's actually one of the things that we really pride ourselves in is everybody in their department is a subject matter expert in what they do. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's intimidating sometimes, especially being in the firearms industry and law enforcement, you have these people and they're, they're afraid to ask those questions, but if, you know, I've been to some of Ronnie's classes and it's super welcoming and open and he pits on, you know, for, for those of you, the women and, and kids as well, he pits on classes just for women, just for kids. So check that out. Um, it's pretty awesome to, to get just a women's class, right? Because they feel more comfortable. I would, I oh, would yeah, think. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I've been doing, I've done a ton of like women's only classes. I've done a lot of kids classes. Um, what I've noticed is that, uh, with women, they, they typically feel more comfortable with, uh, in all women's class. Now there are exceptions to that. I've had several women come into, um, mixed classes and, and thrive. They've done phenomenal. Um, I, I got into it, you know, for reasons I I think I talked about in the, uh, in the first podcast I did with you guys. Um, you know, there were, there were some issues, um, that had come up during riots, um, not too long ago. And I felt that there was a, a training gap between, um, like women and men. I felt that we were failing as instructors, um, to train women, uh, so much emphasis on training goes to that cool guy, tactical training, you know, right. John Wood, John Wick looking stuff. And, and, and while that's fun and it's great and it, and it pays because there's a lot of interest in that stuff. Um, I felt that women were getting the short end of the stick when it came to training. And, uh, and so I decided that I was going to take it upon myself to, um, start a women's only class. And I, really thought that it was going to be something that I did as like a hobby, you know, like here and there and it blew up. Um, and some of that was, I'd like to think that some of that is my instruction. Um, some of that is help that I've had from, you know, guys like Eric and then other, other people that I've, I've had a, um, I've had the opportunity to partner with or to be affiliated with. Um, and like I said, it blew up and it's turned into something to where like I have more, more business that I can handle on my own. And so I brought on a couple of guys to help me out. Um, the kids classes was another thing that I, I saw, a um, I saw a fail point on instructors that we were focusing so much on adults when like the kids are the next generation of shooters. Yeah. Like, you know, our, our younger kids, those are going to be the, the upcoming generation of shooters and why not give them the proper training while they're young? Um, for one, they learn how to shoot and they learn how to handle firearms, but two, for the safety aspect, like there's so many people that have firearms in their house, you know, in California, we have a ton of firearm sales, like even with all the crazy restrictions that we have here. Um, 
there's still a ton of families that have firearms within their house. And why wouldn't you want your kid to have um, the respect for firearms to know like, Hey, we don't touch those when they're in the house. And if, Mm -hmm. if we do come across one somewhere, we know how to safely handle it and how to make sure that maybe like a younger child doesn't get a hold of it and potentially hurt themselves or someone else. That's like, that's a key word respect, right? Not be afraid of it, but respect it. Yeah. Firearms aren't dangerous. Um, Terrible users make firearms dangerous. Like, unsafe handlers make firearms dangerous yeah so on a quick little off note like i think it was our first time meeting downstairs i i remember telling you this i said is this going to be a hobby or a full-time job and you're like oh, i just i said you got to make a choice eventually <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i uh I, like i said i i really thought that it was going to be a hobby i never anticipated the growth that i would have um and i was very wrong <laughs> i uh I've done really well and it's definitely not all on me. It's definitely a a ton goes to everybody who's helped me, um, who's mentored me along the way. Um, whether that's my buddies down South or it's my boy DC, um, at my job, um, or it's Eric, um, all these different people have been an influence into not only my instruction, but my life and have helped me to get where I'm at today. Do you know the numbers on how many new, um, firearm sales to females in the last year oh i don't know that but i remember in july of last year when it was the peak of the gun buying there was two million new gun owners in one month right oh yeah one month for the whole united states that's insane yeah i've seen some like some statistics from like the nra and different organizations that it was insane yeah it's it's been wild and and the crazy thing is most people um when they talked to me about this and they talked about all these women that I've had in my classes, cause I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to train a, a ton of women, children, men. Um, and I get a lot of questions like, Oh, well, I bet it's a bunch of right wing Trump supporters and all the, all this stuff. And I'm like, you guys couldn't be farther from the truth. Right. Like, I get a full spectrum of people and I don't care what your religious background is, what your political affiliation with, like none of that matters to me. I truly just want to help people, um, become better shooters. Um, and to be safe, responsible gun handlers. Um, you know, I, I think you could respect that as, as being in the education industry that like, I'm, I truly just care about making people better. Right. You know, I don't think anybody gets into any sort of job that requires you to pass on knowledge for like some sort of self benefit. Like you get into it because you want to make other people around you better. Right. And, and, and that's why I got into it. And so I don't, I don't care what your affiliations or your background is. Like if you come and you want to learn how to shoot, like I'll be more than happy to train you. I've had, I've had men and women who were like, um, outspoken against guns. And they told me that in the beginning of the class. And I said, okay, well, my goal for this four hours is to turn you from somebody who doesn't like guns to somebody who enjoys shooting. And I have yet to be, um, I I've yet to not do that. Um, so I said, it's, it's a ton, it's a ton of fun. And I think a lot of it is just people don't understand. And they, they have this false, um, the stigma. stigma. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, with firearms in general, there's like that, that stigma that goes along with them that they're super dangerous. And as long as you teach them, like, hey, the handler is what makes the gun either dangerous or safe. Right. Yeah. And so. No. And just to go off of that, like one of my old sayings used to be when I was in the garage, you're never going to leave us empty handed. I didn't mean that you're leaving spending money. It was just being able to give knowledge wherever it needed to be. Right. I'm not here to nickel and dime you. We want to make sure you guys come home safe at night, whatever it may be. And I think that's one of the reasons me and Ronnie have hit off so well since we've started this business relationship with both of our companies working together is that just, you know, sometimes you come in, just ask questions. Okay, let's answer them, you know? Yeah. So So child, women, men, no matter what they are, what's one of the first things you tell them? Maybe it's their first time ever handling a gun or the first time they are even thinking about buying one. What's something you tell someone for the first time? I'm going to go into a scenario that I've been seeing a lot of. Somebody just broke into my house. I finally want a gun. And the first thing that we see them do is with what guns there are right now, which is very limited, which makes this so much even harder. I want that pistol. I'm like, it, okay, I'm not telling you what you do or don't want, but can we sit down and have a conversation? Um, and I think you could probably even go into this so much deeper, but non 
trained or experienced people with a pistol, they're just, you know, yeah. they don't know where those rounds are going. Agreed? Yeah, I'd say I'd say the pistol is probably the most difficult platform to learn. Um, it, just because of sight radius and, you know, it that's the main thing. And, and pistols, they're just tough to learn. Uh, now, some people pick it up really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, rifles, obviously, a lot easier to use because you have more leverage. Same thing with shotguns. A lot more leverage where shotguns are more of like an area type you know you you get depending on what you're shooting if it's double up buck you have a bigger spread so you can afford a little bit you know being off with your sights a tad and you're probably still going to hit your target from um, a relatively close distance whereas a pistol is a, if your sights aren't on and your trigger is bad or something like that like you run the risk of missing which gives a, you know your adversary an opportunity to be on the um, offensive which you don't want in a home defense situation so um, what I would tell new gun owners, I would like somebody who's asking a question like, Hey, what should I get? Um, I would ask him like, it depends on what you're getting it for. Like what's your application? Are you just going to go out and target shoot? Are you getting this for home defense? Um, and, and I cover most of this in my classes. I talk about if you want to use something for self-defense, like within a home, understand the advantages and the disadvantages, because there are advantages and disadvantages to every platform. Um, people think that shotguns are this like end all be all for home defense, but what they don't realize is, do you know how to maneuver within your house with a shotgun? They're pretty long. And I've seen experienced guys on like SWAT teams and, you know, other stuff, like, you know, within, uh, local agencies and stuff, manipulate a a shotgun within a structure and get hung up on a doorframe. You know, and the last thing you want to do is get hung up on a door frame when it counts. I was watching a video the other day and someone came into a door and, and got it hung up. Yeah. And they're all laughing. <laughs> so, so that's one of the limitations to shotguns. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. like, it's a, it's a much longer platform and you run the risk of manipulation issues. Like, do you know how to do it? Most people aren't crazy and paranoid. Like somebody, people sitting at this table, maybe <laughs> and, and like, and like go through their house and understand like how to move through a structure with a long gun. Like. Because there are limitations to it. And if you don't train it, you're never going to know where your fail points are and, and how to get through yeah. those structures. When so. that time comes, you're not going to be prepared. Yeah, that's that's not when you want to practice. No. <laughs> oh, 110% on that. Unfortunately, you have the off of that subject, though, you have that customer that comes in and doesn't know and they're trying to get a pistol and you're like trying to guide them within two to five minutes. A, not that I'm trying to get the sale. You know, we still got to sell stuff to stay in business. So there's like this weird happy medium, and the dude or the lady that doesn't want to listen, they just need something. As goofy as it sounds, I'm like, here's a 12 gauge, 18 five inches long. Here's number seven bird shot. They're like, well, why that? I said, because when you miss and you go through the wall, it's going to stop after that wall, and you're not going to hit your neighbor. Uh. And it's the worst answer, but it's the quickest five minute answer because they feel they need something right now. And then I, I don't laugh at people, but there's sometimes where they're like, well, I'm going to take it home today. And I'm like, Nope, you voted for that law. You got to wait 10 yeah, days. 10 days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool off, dude. yeah. I think there's, there's a, like I said, all platforms have goods and bads. I tell people, if you want to run a pistol, that's great. Like I'm a pistol guy because I've trained my butt off with it. Um, but if you're going to run a pistol as a home defense weapon, make sure that you're extremely familiar with it. Make sure that your mm-hmm. skill level is up there. Um, because the last thing you want to do is when it comes time to take that shot that counts, you're not confident or you miss or your training's just not there. Um, so, I mean, and I, and I would give that same advice with any platform. Make sure your training is up to par or else you could be more of a liability than an asset. Oh, 110%. Like, even just being a vet and not having like you think owning a gun company and this is a good example, even for you. Oh, you go shoot all the time. No, no, not at all. Not like you think, but where I am, I I think pistols are cool. We do a lot of cool modifications to them, but I'm not the best with the pistol where I feel comfortable is what I learned in the service, which is with my rifle. And that like, as stupid as it sounds what's his name clint up in oregon thunder ranch oh clint emerson yeah what's his saying you know no no no, that's clint uh sorry clint emerson's a navy seal 
Clint, uh, Clint Smith. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know, your pistol's dirt just to get you to your rifle. I live by that because I, I'm this horrible excuse. I don't get that time to go training all the time where I should make that time, right? So I have my pistol. I can work my way around it, but if I can get near my rifle, that's where I feel comfortable. And the biggest thing when it comes into just people buying firearms, I'm not going to be the guy at some other local stores where Glock. That's what you have to run as a Glock because it's the most... What feels comfortable to you? Yeah. You want that high peasy? I'll, I'll sell you the high peasy, but <laughs> I don't know if I'd run it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The comfortability is, is huge. Um, in the classes I teach, I typically take out a lot of different firearms from different manufacturers, and I let people, men, women, children, get their hands on different ones because you have different grip angles. So ergonomically, some are going to work better for others. Um and they won't even know that because typically like they go in, they have this idea of this gun that they want because their friend has it and they looked at it and they thought it was cool. You know, so they come in and they're like, well, I want a Glock 34. Or they seen a cool gun on a movie. Yeah. Like, I, want <laughs> like, I, want the, I want the John Wick gun. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you're like, that's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they have all these, these ideas as to what they think they want. And that's without ever putting hands on a gun. Um, so I think one of the things that, that people need to get out of the habit of, uh, especially as instructors is saying like, this is the gun you should get. Um, now I, I typically will say that I have a favorite all around gun. And I tell people that I say the Glock 19, in my opinion is the best all around gun, especially for a new, a beginning shooter. It it's great to carry. It's great to go out and plink with at the range. And it has enough, uh, you know, you can reach out and touch somebody from, you know, any sort of like self-defense situation. Yeah. Um, that being said, I don't shy them away from other manufacturers. Like if they think that an MMP is what fits, you know, feels best in their hand, I'm like, yeah, go forth and conquer, man. Buy all the MMPs you want. <laughs> or or a SIG, you know, SIG yeah. guns. They make phenomenal weapons. Um so I, I'm not that guy like just because I'm kind of married to Glock doesn't mean I try to push everybody that I teach towards Glock. And that's right. probably one of the cool things about us is when we push people towards a gun. What people need to realize as gunsmiths is that we are the mechanics. Like if you take your car in a jiffy lube to get the oil changed, that's what we do for guns, right? Yeah. That, that's our responsibility, that that gun's going to work when you need it to work. So we test fire every gun before it leaves here and all these different things, just like somebody would go take it for a test drive if it was a car. Yeah. But in the same token, like somebody will come to me and say, well, you know, I want to get this gun. And I say, okay, here's a maintenance package and let me break it down to you this way. Glock. It costs this much, and to replace this part, this part, it's like $10, right? Yeah. Plus labor. And then they'll be like, well, I want, you know, maybe Ronnie's super sweet infinity pistol, which <laughs> when a part breaks, it's like, it's like, do you want the Honda? Do you want the BMW? You know, whatever yeah. it may be. So when we come referring guns, it's not because we're like diehards. It's just, hey- if you're living off of a budget, let's take this into consideration because yeah. guns need maintenance. Right. Gotcha. So someone that sells ammunition and obviously you two that use ammunition every day, there's been a huge shortage over the last, you know, over a year. What, what's the cause of that? Um, you know, that's always a question I hear you hear different things and I've, I've heard, you know, like I think it was Winchester was kind of out for, for a while and now they've come back. So what's the cause of the ammunition shortage? Do we all have our tinfoil hats? <laughs> <laughs> I could give that answer. Or I um, honestly, uh, I think one of the very cool things about NAG is that we have this really deep industry connection. I'm not quite sure how it happened in five years, but it did. Nice. I don't know why people like you so much. I know. <laughs> it's because his name's Eric. That's why. <laughs> but it's with my, a K. Yeah, uh, it's spelled the right way. Oh, gosh. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> July last year, 2 million people bought firearms. Um, and if you go into a manufacturing background that like we have, because we have a CNC machine here, it's not just like, hey, I got this aluminum can that grew off of this tree and I can go take it. This takes a process to make that. Well, that takes, maybe this can takes five minutes to make. So how many cans can I make in an hour with one machine? How many can I make in two you, with two machines? They're on and so forth. So 
people don't understand that. So when supply chain A was running fluidly with not shutting everything down, people can't drive, can't go into buildings, that whole thing caused an issue. And then everybody freaked out. Mm -hmm. The prediction is two years before we see an average. That doesn't mean better prices. That doesn't mean better quantities coming in. It's just we have a plateau. It's not the manufacturer's fault. They are. I have never seen so many people get hired overnight. Then you got to train that person how to run that machine. Yeah. And you got to train that person to make sure that bullet was made safely so it doesn't blow up, hurt somebody, kill somebody, doesn't actually shoot. So then they get shot because their gun didn't. Like, there's all these things, right? So when you don't understand how production works, it can cause an issue, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, and not everybody does a production job. So if you don't understand that, I can see where you're like, oh, the government's taking everything. Ah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen a, <clears throat> sorry, I've seen issues with ammo. Um, so not just the shortage, obviously that's, that's, you know, worldwide. We, we all understand that there's a shortage on ammo um, or at least that's what they tell us. <laughs> um, but uh, with ammo that, that has been purchased um, as of late from manufacturers, like big name manufacturers, I won't name them, but um that I've personally shot, we've seen um, like failed primers, like more so than prior, like where before you might have like one bad primer for every like 200 rounds or, you know, whatever. Um, Like we're seeing like three and four bad primers per box of 50, which is crazy, especially considering, you know, how much they've hiked up the prices on, on ammunition as of late. Um, We've seen um, them not be sized right. Um, and uh other things like that so you know there there's been issues and i think that's because they're bringing in so many of these new people that don't have as much experience with the manufacturer of ammunition but it's because they're like hey we got to get this we got to get this uh warehouse up and running and the only way to do that is to hire people yeah and they don't necessarily hire people that have a background in manufacturing ammunition so you start to see quality control issues yeah and it's kind of scary to think about too because that might be the one round that you need whenever something, you know, shit hits the fan for yeah. lack of a better term. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of a, a consumer thing. It's probably like, I'm maybe not going to use that brand anymore or, yeah. you know what I mean? So especially yeah. if it's, well, so, yeah. hopefully you're good with your uh, type one malfunction. Yeah, I know. Right. You and, I learned that from you. Well, you and me had our one customer. How many squibs? Did, he had two squibs. Oh yeah. And that was during towards when production was starting to ramp up. Mm-hmm. and he was brand new into the farms and I felt so bad for him because it's like, that's the worst experience. And not that he was thinking it was us. I was like, I don't make this stuff. I'm just selling it at the same time. So yeah, you have exactly. to sit and have that conversation yeah. and why it happened. We got to verify your gun safe. So yeah. Yeah. And the that, thing is with those with like squib rounds, that can be extremely dangerous. Like, yeah. So somebody gets a, um, a projectile lodged within their barrel yeah, and then they, they perceive that to be like a type one malfunction and then they, they chamber another round mm-hmm. and fire it. Oh, you might be screwed. Your Guns barrel will blow up. Yeah. Like I've, I haven't personally seen it, but I've seen videos of it happening. Um, but luckily I, I know the sound. Um, and if you've, if you've been around guns long enough, you'll know the sound a squib round makes. Yeah. And luckily I was there with the guy oh, when, when his squib round went off and I was like, do not yeah. put your gun. No, no. Yeah. So I put that thing down. I was like, let me deal with it. Yeah. And, uh, I brought it over here to Eric and, uh, and had him clear it out. Um, but yeah, it could have went really bad because yeah. those things are those things are pretty dangerous. And the funny thing was is that it had the primer, it had the case, and had the bullet. There was no powder in the case. Yeah. Oh shit. It was missing powder. That's so that primer has enough to make it just pop into the chamber. Yeah. Because if it would have had powder and been a squib, that would have ruined its whole gun. But mm-hmm. luckily, it just enough to just go boop and oh, just yeah. stop right there. So there wasn't enough inertia to push it through. Yeah. So yeah, it's. Some high speed stuff right there. But uh, as we kind of wrap this thing up, I kind of want to talk more about your business and what you do here and what services you provide. So kind of give a a brief explanation to the listener in that way and how they can reach out to you and what you guys do here and what you can offer them. Well, we'll start off with our gunsmithing services. I'm actually going to grab one of these real quick. So we we always make sure farms are clear, even though we know there's no firing pin or anything in this. So one of the things that we do here is we can take a normal firearm 
and modify it. We can make it so you can put a red dot on top of it. We can add serrations to the front ports, enhance your grip. That's just on our pistol work, upgrade the trigger. Um, we're a true custom shop. Like they're saying, it's not your uh, average gun shop. So grandpa's gun's not working, bring it in. Brand new gun, want to learn how to clean it and maintain it, bring it in. Then we'll go over to our storefront. You need product, you need ammo, you need reloading supplies, you need backpacks. Come here, come see us. We'll get you in there and get you taken care of. Then on our third department, I would call it our coffee. Uh, we have two coffees. Or, well, we have more than two coffees. But um, these two, Grumpy Old Man is about my grandfather that I was talking about. That's where that name That's comes awesome. from. Grandma's Packins after Nina, mm -hmm. the N and NAG's uh, industry. And then Shop Dog, that one is the coolest. It actually hasn't been released yet. So we linked up with the LA County Narcotic, Narcotics Unit, Canine Unit. Mm -hmm. They're starting a 501C, I believe it's called. So once this gets released, every time you buy a bag, $2 goes to a 501C to help support their uh, canines, whether it's from medical supplies to food, whatever it may be. But we're going to be back there supporting them. We have a really close relationship with them. Then we'll hop over to our Gov Sales. Our Gov Sales, um, which is still in our storefront, we do everything from body armor, um, Vortex. Um, but if you are veteran, active, reserve, active law enforcement, retired law enforcement, active firefighter, retired firefighter, if you're in Gov, if you're in the government somehow, there's probably a discount in the storefront for you or your actual agency that you work at, and we help support you guys. Our running joke for our Gov Sales Department is if it's between a stapler and a tank, we can probably help you. <laughs> pretty wide range. Pretty yeah. yeah Literally, we just bid on a whole bunch of beads for uh, a prison here locally. So all the inmates had arts and crafts time. Really? I'm not joking on that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. nice. Tim, Tim won the bid. <laughs> <laughs> Looking out for him. Of course he did. So what's the plan moving forward? Do you got, I know you had talked earlier. We were uh, kind of talking here ready to move on to a bigger place. So what's the plan moving forward with NAG? Uh, we just need more storefront. You guys come up there. It's like 700 square feet. Uh, there's so much more product we can have in there. What makes our storefront so unique is that we're um, not your average gun shop. So I'm going to use some examples and it's not digging on them because that's their model, but like Turner's, Walmart, whatever. You walk in there and it's very camp hunting, camping, fishing, whatever it may be. You can come to us to get your pistol belt. You can come to us to get your body armor. You can come to us to get your mystery ranch pack. You can come to us to get your coffee. You can come to us to get your air rifles. Like a lot of these things where you get into the advanced shooting or whatever you may want. I don't know the technical term, but we have more than just like, here's some ammo. Here's a rifle. Have a good day. We'll have the accessories. We'll have the supplies to go do the, you know, body armor, whatever it may be. I, I don't know the technical term for it, but we're kind of a jack of all trades storefront that has to do with the firearms industry. And, and also you connect with your, um, you know, with your customers, you're helping them out and you're yep. also, you're donating money to different causes and um, very welcoming yeah. family type atmosphere Yep, where you don't get that at the, the uh, bigger, um, you know, turners and all those places. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can't say, cause I, I don't go there, so I can't say right. that one way or another. <laughs> right. um, but because we obviously have our own place to get our supplies at. Right. But with that, uh, just typically there, there's going to be a certain point where we're going to have to stop growing if we want to maintain the customer service, right? Um, so, and I'm not saying that's our next building, but I, we have to start looking at that, that we keep growing as a company, but we pride on what we do. That has been our saying since day one. So we want to maintain that. So as we, our last little segment we have is uh, the freedom fighter of the week. So this is someone who is, uh, has been influential in your life and helping you get to where you are today. So Eric, who would you be your uh, freedom fighter of the week? Ooh, whether she realizes it or not, I'm going to have to say my wife, she has probably pulled her hair out more than a million times. Um, because when you start a company, it's not a 40 hour week. It, it's Sunday when we're here. Right. And she's stuck with both of my boys underneath two right now, just so I can go do this to grow the company a little bit further. Um, 
she has been a humongous point of this company growing and supporting me even when she probably feels like she's not supporting me she is um so i definitely have to say my wife on that one it's awesome Great. Yeah. yeah thank you thank you so much eric and uh you know just for allowing us to uh come into your shop you know coming onto our show today i appreciate yeah. it um any final words gentlemen um as the special host yeah. <laughs> just want to wish all Great you guys job, a way. uh a uh, happy memorial day weekend um enjoy enjoy what you have remember why you have it um get out there do the murph workout you know <laughs> like everybody should yeah, on the memorial did. day like we did this morning yeah, we before just got this podcast. getting our ass kicked i don't um, know what i did <laughs> <laughs> but but uh understand why you get that three-day weekend it's not just a three-day weekend it's uh because there's a lot of uh brave men and women who didn't make it back from their respected wars so understand why we get that three-day weekend and uh honor them with that that extra time and i would probably add a little bit to that in the same token especially for all our veteran men and women that did get to come home doesn't mean that you i'm not say you can't mourn them but they would have been out having a barbecue and a good time so it's okay to go out and have that good time and be able to you know yeah. remember them in the good ways and not the bad ways Awesome. It's awesome to hear. But uh, real quick, we want to plug in um, your social media. How can we reach out to you? Your address here where we can, you know, have so, some customers come in here. Our shop phone number is 661-364-9726. There's a whole bunch of extensions on there to get to whichever department you need to. Our shop address is 1803 Ellsworth, E-L-Z-W-O-R-T-H Street, Bakersfield, California, 93312. Our website's www.nagindustries. Our Instagram is n.a.gindustries. I believe there's an underscore in NAG between the NAG and the industries. Um, okay. There's going to be like some anime thing that pops up. That's not us. Okay. Uh, you got to look for the other one. <laughs> yeah, we'll tag it. We'll tag it in the Yeah, we'll put it all in our post. So, so, yeah, make sure you check so, that out on our Instagram listeners. Uh, <laughs> yeah, outside of that, hopefully uh, everybody's having a wonderful weekend. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you for your service. Um, and you know, happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone. And thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Ronnie, for hosting. Oh, thank you guys. (laughs) Best host ever. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode. We appreciate you and your support of the show. Please like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and leave feedback on Apple podcasts.